Okay, so today we're um, having a conversation, my Aunt Wendy and I. This is really exciting. Yes. Because you're the first of the podcast. I'm so excited, yeah. A little Me shy about it. I'm <laughs> not all that shy. Um, at first I thought I would be really shy, but then I realized that I love talking. Yeah. Well, me too, you know that, so we should be good. <laughs> yeah, we do. We talk. We have some really good conversations that I wish we could have recorded. I know, I know. But, um, so I just wanted to quickly introduce you. You are an, well, first of all, you're a faith leader. I feel like that's so big for me. It's like, I've oftentimes come to you and you've been like very much like that, like leader of faith. Like you've trekked like through, um, through... The muddy waters of life. I know. Well, just, <laughs> right? just not just like um, theology, but like know, also yeah. you've had your own like you've had your own psychonaut experiences. Yeah. yeah. So like that's kind of who you are for me first. Yeah. You're also an advocate for the homeless. Yes. You have a huge initiative with that, which yeah. is like a huge deal, changing yeah. lives. And then you're also a uh, what is what is the word again? Nonviolent. Yes, you're a nonviolent activist, activist. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, there's three things that I feel like the fourth is hidden. <laughs> <laughs> Was it because I'm an accountant? Yes, you're an accountant. <laughs> yeah. But like you're a very you're a very uh, interesting accountant because yeah. you didn't go to school for it necessarily. I did not. I learned the old fashioned way, you know, and, and I had a mentor that was extremely good and um, yeah. And here I am many years later, you know doing what I love, which is working with numbers, which is funny because in high school, I barely, barely got out of algebra. So really, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's Wait, true. so is accounting like more like algebra? I don't know. No, not at all. <laughs> but it's math, you it know, I mean, it's, it's like, it's numbers. And um, as I, as I've gotten to understand numbers better, I also realize, you know, that it's music and it's, it's all of these things that just kind of feed into who I am. And so it just works for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I know you're always the one that you add the tip at the, you're the quickest person oh. I've ever seen add a tip at the end of It's a, pretty easy tip. It's not for me, okay? <laughs> they even print it on the receipt now so you can Sometimes. take your picks. Yeah. <laughs> they're up to date. Um, a conversation that I, like, we've had before for a school project that I like to revisit is your nonviolence. Because I feel like yeah. kind of like, your um the way that you work with the homeless and you're signing up for them it like kind of stems from that like very non-violent attitude what what does that mean to you like i don't sometimes i don't understand you know we recently uh, i belong to an organization called Nonviolent santa fe that i was um given an opportunity to be part of and i'm really excited about it um but we had an opportunity at a meeting recently to talk about why are we involved in nonviolent Santa Fe. And, you know, so, so some of us sat there and kind of really thought about why am I here? And, and I, I kind of went back to my roots of who I was years and years ago as a teenager, kind of a hippie kind of person, you know, the love and peace vibe and, and everything that was going on back in the seventies and eighties. And, um, and then kind of lost track of that for quite a while into some really dark parts of my life. But um, so now coming out of those dark parts of my life and back into the light, I have, like I said, uh, a friend of mine gave me the opportunity to join this group. And 
it is such an opportunity to help other people understand what what violence is to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not just like hitting somebody or even speaking awful words um, of hurt. It's it's you know so systemic in our society of the way we think and the way we respond to one another. And so I've learned since I started in this group, I've learned so so much more about it than I ever really knew and. And so just, you know, being a pacifist myself, very much so, I turned in all my weapons uh, two wow. years ago. Was I that? I had, I had seven, you know, guns, revolvers, and um, rifles that, uh, you know, had concealed carry, et cetera. And, and I always thought, why am I doing this one? I'm a natural shot. I'm really good at it. It's kind of fun to do target practice. But then when you look around at the violence, especially the gun violence that's in in the United States, especially right now, I mean, there are other places where it's obviously a problem, but here it's just like in your face constantly. Mm. I just couldn't do that anymore. And so it was like this really hallelujah moment for me to go and turn them into um, New Mexicans Against Gun Violence, I think is the name of the organization. And they do this thing, it's really cool. It's called um, Guns to Gardens. So not only did I get to turn those weapons in, but I got to go the next day and watch them be dismantled and um, hammered on or whatever. And then eventually they become garden uh, tools and Mm. and decorations. So, um, you know, the violence that we experience in uh, our lives, again, especially in America, but, you know, in homes with children, with husbands and wives, which also is is just so out of control. I just want to be part of that answer. And I, I just want to try and help people re-look at um, what peace is and, and how we can achieve it and how we can become community together with more so without the violence that plays into our lives on mm. a personal as well as, well as a level of community. So a lot of that, I know that the conversation that we were having at church yesterday was a little bit around, like, how do you see past your differences when it comes to gathering around one table so that you can live in peace and harmony? Because, like, we had we had another conversation. <laughs> we were always having the same conversation. Right. At, uh, lunch today was about, like, well, how do you bring everybody to the same page? Because there are so many different points of view, history, um, sure. So, like, what what do you think that that means? Is is there something in nonviolence or something that like kind of talks about that about seeing past your differences? Well, and and that's the whole thing, you know. There's no way you're going to bring people to the table and everybody think the same or look the same or have the same perspective because everybody's lives are different. Um, and so, it isn't about all of us looking the same or feeling the same or walking the same direction. It's a willingness to let other people just be who they are and, and accept them that way. Now, you know, there are certain things that are not acceptable, right? It's like, you know, prejudice, for instance, is something that, you know, it's not just something we're going to say is okay at the table, but, you know, in that you, you try and help educate people and share with people pieces of your own heart, maybe pieces of your own life that help. Um, bring to life or bring sight, bring vision um, 
to their minds and to their hearts as to why maybe that isn't the right way to go. Mm. Um, and other things, it's just loving people for who they are. Mm. You know, because when it all boils down, there's only, you know, one humanity. And, and we are all a collective of one people, you know. Mm. And so I, I've not met anybody ever yet who I can't sit down at the table and have a conversation about something, something, no matter how little it is, you know, that we might have in common and just not worry about arguing about what we don't agree on and, and saying it's okay for you to think the way you think and be who you are. And, mm. and it basically boils down being able to give somebody the love and respect that you yourself want mm. um, for your own life. Mm. And also, you know, helping people understand you know what violence really is and how that plays out in our lives both personally and and in communities so there's a lot of things that i'm still trying to undo that you know have been part of my life i love this expression i've always said okay well let's get boots on the ground right get get out there and get this done and then at a meeting that we had like last year somebody said you know that's a that's a violent term right and i'm like what's a violent term (laughs) And, uh, and they said, ah, that's a military term. And, and so I was like, oh, yeah, okay, it is a military term. So not that um, it means I have to change the way I speak, but it, it did bring light to, oh, I need to think about the things I say because to some people that's how they receive that. So. Yeah, becoming more intentional with our words. Yeah. I like what you said about sharing your perspective or sharing your worldview and kind of like letting people come to the light on their own because I feel like, we're always like looking to change someone else's mind. Exactly. And that's violent. It is violence. We're doing violence against one another by trying to make people think the way you why, the way we think. It, it is violence. No, you're absolutely right. So um, sharing your own perspective can be such a beautiful thing. Um, having that perspective rejected, you you know, and, and that person saying, well, I don't see things like that at all. It, it's okay. You just have to get to that place where you don't think everything you think is the end all to everything. You know that, and and one thing that I've really been learning a lot about is listening, mm. and instead of talking so much. So mm. it's becoming more important for me to listen to what the person I'm sitting with has to say instead of expressing everything I think. And so part of nonviolence is acknowledging that um you know maybe jesus had it right maybe he he's right when we say the other person's more important than ourselves mm-hmm. and um and it's okay to to not be hurt you know mm-hmm. yeah there's something about that we we're just watching a movie where um the the, the girl what was her name cora, cora. yeah she's removing herself from the equation yeah it's so hard to do that sometimes when you feel like, um, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a group setting and you feel like everybody's going the wrong direction. You're like, guys, the answer's over here. Yeah. Oh, I'm so like that. This is like something I really had to try and learn to master because it's still, you know, I, I stumble over myself all the time with that. It's like, you know, and I'm like, sometimes I, I can't wait to be heard. And, and it's really something I'm having to unlearn that, that what I think matters so much Mm. you know yeah i recently like heard this uh like saw this thing on the internet it's like 
Um, if you're constantly having to uh, ask the other person where they're at or if they can hear you or whatever it is, it comes from like an like unsatisfied place in your uh, childhood. childhood? It comes from like not being heard. And right. I feel like a lot of people do feel that way. And so it's like hard to like find that balance. Do you find yourself like following a practice or um, or is it just like intuitive for you and like kind of like changing the way that you see the world or changing the way that you show up in the world? Um, so, you know, something major happened in my life a couple of years ago and I made a big change uh, in getting a divorce and stepping away mm. from a, a very negative, um, toxic situation and, and in so doing, realizing that I really needed to reanalyze everything and then Again, a friend of mine shared a book with me called Think Again. It's a phenomenal book. And it, it's it's basically just saying, you know, maybe you need to stop and rethink these things. And mm -hmm. and and so as I've done that and rethought things um, and tried to reevaluate, you know, my own core values and, and what I believe, then nonviolence has, you know, shaken up to the top and um, service to other people has shaken up to the top. And... And so I don't always do it right because, dang God, I'm human, you know, and, and, and I, I sometimes just still cling to that, no, you have to hear me, um, instead of, no, I need to listen. Um, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's evolving. And I think that that's what life is about, you know, growing and changing and, and, not, and, and breaking down the walls that are around our mind and around our heart and expanding those to include other ideas and other thought process, other worldviews mm. and, and saying, oh, you know, that's kind of cool or that's interesting or, you know, maybe I just can't see that. I don't agree with that. And it's okay. It, it's okay. You know, it's um, okay to let everybody have their own thoughts. And um, uh, again, there are certain thought processes that are violent that, you know, we just cannot uh, allow in in certain things, you know. And, and so with those, I think what also shook up to the top for me, and that's where activism comes in for me, is being loud and being noisy in some cases. Sometimes it's not about just listening and sitting back. Sometimes it's about going onto the plaza or other places and, and waving signs and reaching out to people and talking to them about what, what things mean and how how can we work together as humanity to resolve some of these issues mm. yeah and that's that's hard especially when i feel like there's such a gap between like the conversation that you and i are having inside of this little room and then having that conversation on the plaza and then where does it actually start to touch policies where does it actually start to touch oh yeah it's huge, right? It feels like such, I feel like for a lot of people, my, myself included, like the whole thing is very daunting it and is. untouchable, it feels. And so it's like, if it's that difficult, it's like not worth trying. But it seems like you're so like beyond that thought process. Yeah. Or you, are you? Like, no, no. I, I, you know, you get, you get snaggled up anytime you involve government, uh, it's county or city or state or federal or whatever, because... Um, you know, the foundation, it seems that the world operates on is, is all based on profit and money and capitalism and, and staying in political office and saying the right things, but not necessarily doing the right things. So, 
um, I've kind of just resigned myself to understand and realize I have to slow down and I have to step back and I have to, you know, I can only, I can do what I can with one person at a time. Mm. And, and as, you know, you meet people and talk to people and try and bring awareness and, and, um, you know, get people to question maybe what they're thinking and rethink certain things. The more people that will do that, the the more it doesn't seem like a little tiny pebble with a little tiny ripple, you know, in the pond. It at some point, um, you hope that government hears because obviously government plays a huge role in um, a lot of things with regard to our our homeless, unhoused friends for sure. And um, you also get frustrated with the wheels grinding so slow, um, but. But there are things that you can do without government. And, and there are people you can touch. There are people that you can move. And there are peop- things you can do to help, you know, mm-hmm. without having that, you know, that daunting force in front of you. Yeah. Can I change anything? Mm-hmm. Um, probably I personally can't change a lot. But as more and more people go out and speak their truth and... Um, touch other lives and me one life at a time if that's all I can do and that's probably the best way to do it a friend recently told me um I I think change happens mm. and it, it begins with the, the individuals you know it begins in each person's thought process and worldview and mind so yeah it's tough it's tough though it feels yeah it feels like um like it's such a task i think that that's where i used to get caught up in religion is because it was like always like trying to like it felt like i was trying to like proselytize and like bring everybody to the light and like it felt very discouraging at times because it was like this really heavy weight and um but like this is different like i can just tell like the vibration is different because it's not about um corralling everybody it's about um holding the space for a new way of life yeah that's a great way to put it it seems like that's what you're doing you know that that is a great way to put it and and even in uh, and dare i say religious circles you know what you're talking about in that frustration and where i work you know um in in a denomination in in faith-based things it it can certainly get very frustrating you know, because um, people are all at these different places and perspectives, and and that's probably where I find my most frustration, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's funny to say it that way, but uh, it's also where I find a lot of um, peace and beauty. You know, so you know, it's got kind of both sides of that. But the the daunting task becomes not so daunting when you realize that it. It, that the burden of that responsibility really isn't on your shoulders. Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah. You, you cannot be, you know, the savior of the world or of the church or, or, you know, of the unhoused or whatever, but you can make a difference however you can make a difference. Just like showing up. Just showing up. Nothing's too small, you know. Mm. So, yeah. And I know that through that, like you said, you have been gifted these opportunities to like actually help create policies i know that here in santa fe 
you were like a really big catalyst for that pellet home initiative, right? Well, I'd like to think I did a lot, I feel but like you were. I, feel like you <laughs> I really were. didn't. I really didn't. So, no, I, I didn't do that much. I'm part of a, a community group, and now we're kind of um, falling under um, S3 uh, community thing. And um, so that group is extremely encouraging to me and empowering in that, you know, there, it's a group of people of just anybody, anybody, you know, in the community can join this group and be part of hopefully the answer and think of different ways and different avenues and things that we can touch and help. And so um, really there were some people at the city uh, who worked so hard and long, long hours to, to you know, bring plans that finally <laughs> Um, the city council would listen to and hear, and and now you know we wait, so things mm-hmm. get approved, and now we're waiting yet again. But in the meantime, you know we don't have to stop what we're doing. We continue different avenues. We're just about ready to start a project where um, there's a project in California that's just amazing, and they're just going out with cell phones and going up to the unhoused and saying, "Hey, how long has it been since you spoke to your mom or your dad?" or or you know family and and would you like to and just hand them a cell phone and let them make a call so there's ways to impact the world um and the problems in the world without solving the problems necessarily wow that's really cool that you that you brought that into my awareness because it is it is like about being more of a bridge and letting people kind of like walk over you in a weird exactly. way. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Uh, removing yourself from the equation, right? Like right. Um, but you you told me a story. Hopefully, it's okay to tell that recently you saw someone that was just in a really distressing. Oh yeah, my little friend on the downtown area. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like a state. It was a state of uh, uh, unrest for that person, oh, but yeah. the environment was like kind of undeterred by this and just walking by her i mean here's this here's this gal you know and she's like in the middle of the street just like like sobbing and like you know just crying so loud and asking can you help me can you help me and people just like look at her and go wow get away from that you know and and it's just like wow my heart just like sunk into my stomach and um I, I think I told you, you know, the girl has, um, she's got a little bit of a violent tendency. It's not the first time I've encountered her. So I approached, you know, very, very carefully, but she just really needed to be heard mm. and touched and, and somebody to hold a phone for her so that she could call her cousin because she needed help. Yeah. And a lot of it, wow, it, what you just said is like a lot of it, a lot of the violence that is kind of like, perceived or projected onto these people that are being unhoused is a lot of unmet needs it sounds like that's exactly she needed she needed someone to hold her someone to hug her someone to hear her i mean you need to have uh 12 physical touches to be considered like like okay for the day just the day isn't that crazy and these people i don't feel like they are like yeah at at least in espanola where i grew up like it could be really like dangerous to be on the streets like (laughs) You might want to be careful touching people, right? Yeah, you know, but well, at you're the same... a target, yeah. <laughs> you do. You have to be careful with that. But no, that's so true. I mean, you know, touch is is one of the most 
genuine, I feel like, genuine, transparent um, ways of communication to people. So like when I'm working at Pete's Place, for instance, and I go out into the dining area after we've been serving food and start picking up plates or whatever, and I stop and I chat with the people that are in there. And, and by the way, they're a lot of fun. I feel like I'm at home there. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. they might tell you F off or whatever, you know, but... Um, at least you know where you stand with <laughs> these people. No masks. <laughs> no masks at all. And, and, but as I go around that room and as I'm reaching for plates, I just really make it a point to touch them on the shoulder or reach out and touch them on the arm because they are um, at least perceived as, many of them, as the untouchable. And like this gal in the street um, last week when, when Angie and my friend and I and her grandchildren were there, you know, instead of drawing close to this person who was clearly, clearly in need of help, you know, they're like, oh, cross the street, walk on the other side of the road. And, and I understand that in, in some ways because people are fearful because of the violence, you know, in the world. And you never know for sure um, how safe a person might be. But at the same time, you know, I just can't not. Mm. I just can't not. Because in my life, people have reached out to me when I was in dire, you know, situations. And, um, yeah, i got to do the same for others. It just... Yeah, because you know what kind of impact that has on yourself. So you're able to recognize that relief that it brings to other people. Yeah. I feel like that's sadly sometimes what it takes force not everybody but for some people it really does take that like level of desperosity i think i just made up a word <laughs> <laughs> i was i was thinking about what level no, of I like desperation. It. desperation yeah desperosity i um, like it <laughs> i'll look it up later sometimes i make up words and then i realize i didn't <laughs> um because without that you're not going to really know what it feels like to um be hungry and then have a warm meal handed to you you said you work at work with pete's place and that's something that's really cool because um pete's place for those that are listening might not know is a place where people can go and receive shelter and, yeah. a, and a warm meal they only serve one meal a day it's an interfaith shelter is what it is and a, and a group called the ila which is the interfaith leadership alliance here in santa fe is who set it up originally um, they offer all kinds of assistance. Um, they have intake days. There's clothing there. They do give um, breakfast to the to the um, guests that stay there overnight. Uh, it's a congregate shelter, so there are a lot of people who don't want to be in a congregate shelter um, and would rather stay on the street or you know uh, try and find other places. Which is one reason, by the way, we're working so hard to get um, the pallet homes. Mm -hmm going you know safe outdoor spaces where our unhoused friends have you know a house per se you know we were talking earlier today uh, yeah. about that whole thing because we were making flyers you know i'm on the education committee group of this community group that i work with and on the flyers we we were doing them by committee which is really difficult to begin with but <laughs> i'm just gonna say that everybody right. has an opinion everybody wanted and today the, the flyers came out and, and still people are chiming in oh we should have done this no they're done leave them alone yes. <laughs> anyway one of the statements that um uh, my friend and i who were kind of 
putting out the first initial here, you know, here's what we're looking at. One of the statements she made was that everybody deserves a home, mm-hmm. you know, and um, even that was debated. You know, does everybody deserve a home? Well, I'm not saying they know that. We, this is what we were yeah. talking about, right? I'm not they saying. They need a, tw- a twenty. $5,000, yeah. whatever, 200 Yeah, we're in Santa Fe, Zimmer. Right. We're in Santa Fe. So $25,000 would be a shed. <laughs> I never literally, know. that's a pallet home. Right. Yeah, literally. <laughs> right, know. right. That's, you know, like the cost around annual is actually like, I think, 44000 But anyway, um, yeah, everybody does need and have at least a basic need, right? So, so yeah, maybe not a... A bigger home with three rooms and but they they need somewhere they can go and, and and call their own and they need somewhere that they can go in and lock the door and they need somewhere where they can leave their stuff you know what I mean where they have an address I mean how are home unhoused people going to find their way back into functioning society if they don't have these bare necessities a place to take a shower so they can you know, apply for jobs and, and a place to receive mail where they can, hey, you've been hired or, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, one of the first things that Pete's helps people do when they show up there is, is get an ID because without an ID, you're nobody and you can get no help, nothing. And so that's like one of their priorities. Um, so the unhoused faced, face a lot of challenges and, and I want to circle back here before I forget my thought on this gal the other day last week um, downtown Santa Fe one of the things I noticed um, because I embraced her and and just let her cry you know and and she calmed down like a minute and I said let's get out of the street and I gently moved her over to the side and my friend Angie who has this gigantic heart as well she's she's like because what she was saying was nobody will even let me use their phone to call my cousin and as, as soon as I got this gal over to the side of the street, Angie held out her phone and, and she said, tell me the number, I can dial it for you. And the girl said, yeah, you can just put on speakerphone. You don't need to let me touch it or put it to my mouth because she's, she's that aware of how people feel about touching her and about being that close to her, which again, just, you know, like, rips my heart out. I know. But as that happened and Angie does the phone, I, I, I just kind of looked over my shoulder and around and what I noticed was some of the people who had crossed the street and, and kind of went uh, around the other way had actually stopped and were observing what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, yeah, praise God, they're seeing the, you know, the intimacy that's happening with this person and how that played out and how it was okay mm-hmm. to approach. It worked out okay. Nobody got hurt, you know, only only this this lady who was dying, you know, and crying and feeling so bad was soothed and, and the phone was yeah, she didn't run off with Angie's phone. Angie didn't even you know, she insisted, in fact, don't don't hand me your phone, just hold it for me. You know, and so it, it was awesome for me to look around and see people kind of with their heads tilted going, oh, okay, maybe we should have done that, you know. And so those are the kind of changes you hope to make. And those are the kind of impacts that you, you hope to have on people as they see that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but back to Pete's. Yeah, Pete's is great. They do give breakfast to the people who stay there overnight. 
This year they got funding um, wonderfully where they could, usually during the summers, they close for just only the women and children are able to stay there during uh, overnight. And um, this year they got funding to where the men also are able to be there. So normally at this time of the year we're, we're working with anywhere from, you know, 15 to 25 women and still we're up to like 55 people there every night with the men there too. And so, yeah, and a lot of the faith groups around town, a lot of individuals that aren't necessarily affiliated with a faith group um, go there, they schedule, they bring the food, they serve the food. And um, it's just been a, a privilege to be part of that, you know, such an honor to to be able to meet some of these people and sit with them and, and talk to them about what, what is life? Mm. What is life on the streets? Mm. What is your hope, you know, for your life? That's really cool that you say that and I'm able to reflect on it the way I am right now because, like, my whole thing, even with starting this podcast and just, like, kind of just doing what I do usually is, like, I know that everybody has a story. Yeah. And do. it's so important to like have that story heard and like for like it's like their story is published in your light, yeah. in your presence. Yeah. And like holding space for each other is like super super dire. I mean not not every interaction that people are going to have with a homeless person is going to go smoothly no, and, I, and I know right. you've it had doesn't... people flip you the bird and right. worse, worse oh, yeah, right? yeah definitely <laughs> but you start to have a level of discernment I think that's something that I try and I, I talk about a lot with my friends is like having a level of discernment that allows them to remain safe and to remain part of the conversation without completely taking themselves out because sure sometimes it feels very black and white it does it does. But you're able to kind of like walk the path and like be involved in safe places. Like I'm sure you're very, you feel very safe at Pete's, hopefully. Mostly. Mostly I do, yeah. I mean, there have been a few rare occasions where it, it, it felt a little iffy for a moment or two. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're walking downtown and some guy's like kicking trash cans over and yelling violent you know, things, this is not the person you want to necessarily walk up to and give a hug, right? Mm -hmm. um, that might be the person you say, okay, this person needs some space, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give them that space right now. They're having a hard, difficult time right now. Mm -hmm. And and so you step aside. And, and so discernment is, is so important, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you know what? I Along that same vein, I think what comes a comfort level with that is is just being able to uh, that same person when they're on their meds or whatever, you know, and, and going up and just sitting down on a park bench with them and saying, hey, how's it going today, you know? And, and yeah, you don't know if you're going to be told to fuck off or if, uh, sorry, did I say, <laughs> I hope that's I okay. I don't know. Anyway, if you're going to be told something like that or if it might be the moment where they want to tell their story. And for me, it's a privilege, you know, to hear that story and, and just to listen. And I always thank them for sharing it with me. And, and you're right, people, unhoused, housed, whatever, all of us, you know, have a story. And we all really just want to be heard. We really just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, they say in heaven, everyone gets published. Right? Yeah, that's so, right. So like, we're heaven on earth. Yeah, right? that's like, right. Yeah, so that's... Well, we had that conversation earlier today, too, right, about, you know, it, if you are walking you know, in that kingdom of joy and peace and love um, and nonviolence and 
you know, passivity and, 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 and so you're, you're actually living in this place of perfection and beauty, you know, um, where all the stories are told mm-hmm. and all the stories are heard. Yeah. And um, you walk that into this world and just try and live a little bit of that here. Um, not only does it make your own life better, but yeah, it gives other people an opportunity to get a glimpse of, of that same life, even if that's not what they have, or maybe that's not even really what they want for themselves. Yeah. Um, um, that's something I want to talk about because you and I talk about this a lot is like, there's a lot of neurodivergence, first of all, sure. but there's also a lot of people that are not wanting to acclimate to society. Like, the, yeah. like that's not their goal. Never right. will be, never was. Right. Um, and so I think that like, I don't know how much we can talk about it, but like what kind of space or what kind of conversation needs to be had around like okay, there's, for the pallet homes, for example, mm-hmm. there are, there's gonna, I feel like those are gonna fill up immediately with people that want to be there, that want to acclimate, that want to be reintegrated. Sure, sure. But there's gonna be a lot of people that aren't. Oh, yeah, there's definitely gonna be people that aren't gonna wanna do it, you know, and, and that's, that's why it's so important that we fight, you know, hard to get these pallet homes, um, the safe outdoor spaces set up and, and the city, you know, doing the, oh, we're going to do this little trial thing of 25 homes. That's not even close to touching the need, you know what I mean? But at the same time, there's a bunch of people who, yeah, they're not interested. No, I'd rather go take my little tent and go up and, you know, camp in Hyde Park or whatever and move around there. Um, and that's why it's so important to realize that the pallet homes are an answer. They're not the only answer. They're a piece of the overall picture of how people um, need help, you know. And so, you know, they have a huge success rate. There's there's enough data now that we know, we know for a fact that like over 70% of the people who go into these programs, if they're developed well, if they surround them with services, if they reintegrate these people step by step, earn their trust, and walk them into... Um, back into life, you know, into society, over 70% of them are going to reintegrate into society on some level. And some of them might be on a lower level. I have friends in the community group right now who um, are there wholly and solely because they lived unhoused for three years or five years or whatever that was. And so, um, and they ended up being having these fantastic careers, you know, these amazing careers. And um, and really changed, you know, their stars, if you want to say that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, but yeah, there's a lot of people and that's why it's important to have these other programs too, where, you know, they're never going to go into a pallet home. And, um, you know, we were talking about this the other day, um, that a lot of people that end up on the street unhoused are there by no choice of their own. It's not that they're a drug addict. It's not that they're an alcoholic. It's that, you know, they lost their job or, and maybe they lost their job because they had a medical condition come up. Uh, and, and they ended up three months in the hospital, had a car accident. And, Mm -hmm. and at the end of the three months, you know, the landlord's like too bad. So sad. You're out, you can't pay your rent and they lost their job or whatever. Um, and so they go into this situation of being unhoused quite sane. Um, our goal, hopefully is to get as many of those who are just coming onto the scene 
in into that situation before the trauma of being unhoused actually causes them to have mental illness mm -hmm. that they didn't have when they arrived um, because the the numbers support that you know the higher number of people who are unhoused for over nine months to uh, 16 months who may have started quite sane with no mental illness and not those kind of problems you wait that long a year and a half two years they're going to have these problems and mm -hmm. and um, so you have to also address those people who you know one of the guys on what we call leab which is the lived experience advisory board it's mm -hmm. It's a group of unhoused, currently and previously unhoused people that are helping support this community effort by, by leading and guiding and sharing with us what the needs really are out there. Um, one of them is, is on the streets by choice, and he, he's not going to take a pallet home. No. Last thing he wants. No, he's like, no. You know, I kind of lived as a nomad all my life. I'm happy out here this way. I figured out how to work the system. Um, whereas you or I, you know, if we lost this house today and went out on the street tomorrow, it would be like devastating. We don't know how to find food yeah, and lifestyle. housing. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's huge. You know, it's hugely traumatic for people that that happens to. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, it, it is really interesting. Something like a, a vision that I have for the future of this conversation that we're having is that people would be more willing or ready to help people that are going through something very difficult. I feel like in Western society, this may be true for Eastern, I'm not sure, I don't know the right. culture, but if someone's out on the streets, it's very unlikely that our neighbor over there is going to be like, hey, I heard you're going through a rough patch. Yeah. It, right. I, it would just, it would break the structure of society if it we would. started doing that. What if we did, Zibian? What if we did start saying, hey, I've got a shed in my backyard. What if you don't have room in the house? Or you just not come? What if you just offered the shed? Right. You know, what if you just said, hey, you can camp out in my backyard for yeah. a week or two while we try and nail this down? I mean, but it's, you know, and, and there are people out there who are willing to do that. I'm not saying there aren't. There are some good-hearted people out there willing to help. And then we have another side of the story, which are, hey, I really want to see the unhoused be how, you know, find their way and get them in, but not in my backyard. And we call those NIMBYs, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. not in my, yeah. Not in my backyard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we call them NIMBYs, and, and what happens, you know, and here in Santa Fe, we've got all, I mean, all over the U.S., it's bad, but here in Santa Fe, the housing, uh, affordable housing industry is, is like in the tank, right? Wow, yeah. So, you know, housing prices are so high that people who, um, would normally get into houses or occupying the apartments and so the people who would normally occupy apartments are in their cars or on the street and to a, a, a huge amount and then you know even landlords of um, these big apartment complexes and stuff are like you know they don't they don't really have to offer or accept section 8 vouchers because they have such a huge line of people waiting to get in just oh regular. And so it kind of squeezes the most vulnerable and the most needy people out. Okay. And um, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't mm -hmm. it be great, you know, to, to uh, have all the NIMBYs and have all of us say, hey, I've got a, a garage, you know, in the, in the dead of winter. Yeah. Come, come throw your, 
you know, bed down in my garage. At least you're out of the elements, you know. In fact, we might think about doing that next year. Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. It's so important to um, become one community. Yeah. Um, even if we don't, like, we started the conversation with, like, uh, not all having the same uniform ideas. Right. And that's totally fine. Um, but just being able to say, like, okay, I have a stomach, you have a stomach, we're both hungry, let's eat. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. It's really just that It's simple. that simple. Yeah. It is that simple. You've got a need. I can meet it. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, one of the things I always go off about is hungry children. And I'm like, we've got grocery stores jam-packed full of food all over the city. And we have kids that are going to school hungry in the morning. You know, it's just, it's capitalism. And I understand that. And I get the whole concept. And, and I'm not trying to knock anybody's world over or anything. But, you know, there's something wrong with that. Yeah, no. It's, there's something wrong it's with that, you know. It, the, I feel like society's crying over that. Age, yeah, you know? yeah. I have hope. I have this dream, you know. I have this vision that the that your generation, the generations just below you, are feeling this more profoundly. I think than than my generation did or has. And and there was a we watched um, the Jesus Revolution. 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 So we watched that like last week, right? And it was it brought back some really. some great moments for me in my memory and my history because, you know, all these hippies are just, <laughs> it's like, the, and they're doing acid and they're doing drugs and that's not the good, the best side of the story, but enabled them to say, God, we're all just one people here. Yeah. You know? And so if, if, if we could capture that again, you know, we're all just one people here yeah. and, and it's okay to have a really great home. And that it's awesome if yeah. you've got you know the eight hundred thousand dollar home, um, and it's awesome if you're living in a tent, mm-hmm. and just find some commonality there, in being humanity. Yeah. And and that's where it comes back to hey we both have a stomach we're both hungry. Yeah. Let's eat. Yeah, like kind of like um, mingling, in these common spaces, and I think that Santa Fe definitely has um, and smaller communities. They have a place where people can go regularly to meet each other and have these kinds of conversations, hopefully. I hope, yeah. But I just, like, it makes me wonder. I felt like for a long time, like, social media was going to be, like, the thing that did it. And then it, it was, like, it lost its intentionality. Everything, everybody wanted to be famous for the sake of being famous. Right. And so it's, like, I think that hopefully that that pendulum now that it swings back, it's, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, real problems that we could probably be putting that time energy yeah. effort into yeah. and i hope that my generation and the one below me are the ones that do it because you guys have started such a momentum for us you have like some these really um big shoes that hopefully we can fill oh i i think you're gonna do greater things for sure you know i, I think the window of opportunity open i was talking with somebody the other day and it's like this cycle right and, and you get to the other side and it, it kind of peters out on you. And, and then somebody has to restart that cycle again. And sadly, the cycle that we're living in right now is, is violence. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, what do we have yesterday, day, day before yesterday? 
up in Red River, three mm. dead, five injured, seriously. That's and close to home. It's us. close to home. And it, it's like we made national news right this week because not only did we have one, we had two like mass shootings in, yeah, in a right. short period of time because of what happened in Farmington as well. And so, you know, people can no longer be in denial about, you know, violence, mm. uh, about gun violence in particular. You, you cannot say, doesn't touch me. Right. doesn't affect me. I don't need to think about it because it is. It's in your face. It's like in our face, like constantly. I can't imagine being a parent right now oh, and, no. and having and taking your kids to school, knowing what happened in Uvalde or, you know, all these other places where children of all people are targeted. Um, and in these places that we have always considered safe, you know, oh, the church school is, is safer, um, but no, that's not the case either because we had a mass shooting in church schools as well. So I think that the um, cycle is has restarted. It's sadly in a different way where um, it's going to be in your face. Here's the result of what we have not dealt with. Mm-hmm. Here's the result of what we decided was okay to ignore. And it's now just like in our face. And so... Dealing with that and looking at that and understanding, you know, oh, it's not about taking away your guns or your rights. It's about um, making the world a better, safer, more pleasant, peaceful place. Not only for people you don't know, but for yourself. Because people are getting to where everybody's touched. Mm -hmm. I know somebody who died. Or I have a friend whose friend or relative was killed or injured in that shooting and here in you know little new mexico wow you know two shootings two pretty good sized shootings in a short time we can't deny it anymore we have to start asking the questions and we have to start being uh, willing to be vocal and i'm seeing teenagers in in groups and i'm I can't think of the name. There's two particular groups that were at the roundhouse this last legislative session, and they laid down on the floor in protest, and they had, like, these things um, over their bodies, you know, like, kind of like tombstones or whatever, trying to make a statement. Wow. You know, kids are afraid to go to school. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and not only are they afraid, even if that hasn't really come to see, they are seeing other places where kids are being, you know, injured and damaged. And, and so one of the things we did last week on the plaza was we had a nonviolent Santa Fe had a, a vigil, mm. you know, to bring awareness to the gun violence. And, and we had this group, this amazing group called um, Raging Grannies <laughs> come. And they were, they were amazing. And, and some of their lyrics were a little brutal. And as I, as I sing along with them, you know, and to different songs uh, about what the children must be feeling and the story, you know, I read a, a poem, kind of a letter from a 14-year-old student um, and how they're feeling, you know, and, and I think parents are starting to hear their children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to start to change. I yeah. hope. I hope. I hope so, too. I hope that it, because um, we're going to start wrapping up, but. I hope that it changes, it's far-reaching, so that the change is far-reaching, yeah. because it's um, sy- systemic, right, oh, and it's totally. the way we live our lives, it's like this, like, 
nine in a to bubble? five in a bubble yeah. not, like the narcissistic we went and saw a movie right. with like that little narcissistic world of like um just like my very mundane there's nothing wrong with mundane but like these very like petty nuisances yeah it's like yeah. they say first world problems right like right. it's like it disconnects us from suf- the, the suffering that's going on in the world yeah. when we live our lives the way that we are now right. and hopefully we can um not saying like come to a halt um someone said we don't need a revolution we need an evolution i like that yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah we do we do i i just i i don't know how much time we have but i just wanted to share really quickly one of the things that i'm most impressed with when i see our unhoused community out on the streets and um two things I want to say. First of all, the troublemakers are not always unhoused. They're, they're junkies and, and people also in much need of help and love and touch. Uh, but the second thing I want to say is I've, I've gone out and handed out burritos or, or other things and, and uh, Advent Life Church that, that I attend, that you attend from time to time. Also, the, you know, Pastor Tiago goes out and he hands out lunches every Thursday, every Thursday. One of the things we see over and over and over that we would love to to see in regular community is that some of the unhoused will grab a lunch and then say, oh, can I have one for my friends sitting over there? Mm. You know, or they'll go and sit with their friend and they'll get out a sandwich and they'll break it in half and give it to that other person. And I cannot help but think that is community. Yeah. They've got that down. Yeah, They're and it's living, existing there. Yeah, it's existing there. And so if we could get that that love and that mentality and that um, community of humanity, of togetherness, you know, of a collective, hey, we're all in this together, everywhere, mm. the yeah. evolution would occur. Yeah. And it would happen fast. It just, like, the... the the stars when everybody goes in a light speed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. That would be great. Wouldn't it be great? It will be great. Yeah. It will be. It I will say be. it because it, I want to like... Manifest it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's happening right now. That's right, we got to do it, man. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm really grateful for this conversation that we had. Yeah. We have so... This is like one in a series <laughs> because you and I, this is like a very important, heavy conversation that we tend to circle back to. Right. But there's so many things that I want to talk about, like your psychonaut journeys and your... Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the way that you're able to uh, work with your shadow. I've been able to, like... I feel like we both had a couple... Like, we've been living here how long? <laughs> like a year, year and, and a half. half. So it's like for a year and a half, we've been able to like see each other grow, oh, evolve. Yeah. I've learned so much from your experience, you know. Right, and that's from, how I feel about yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 amazing, and definitely worth sharing. So. Yeah, and I'm just yeah, I'm just like really grateful for you, and I love you so much. Oh, I love you too. I'm so thankful you're here. You're my light for sure. Oh, yay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I think that you're on Instagram I am. for sure. Yeah. You don't have Facebook. I do, I do, but I don't. <laughs> we won't bring it up. <laughs> I, don't bring it. I turned it off two elections ago because oh, I, I could yeah. not stand the violence. Okay, there's a perfect example of violence. Again and again, it's just yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so I'll definitely put your Instagram in the description box. Cool. 
Yeah, I've kind of stepped away from Instagram a little bit because I felt like I was living there too much. But I, um, you know, I have there's a group of people there who have kind of contacted me again, saying, "Hey, where's my encouragement for the day?" You know, because I try and, you know, share a little something, and and sometimes you don't hear from everybody. And I went off almost completely for a couple months now, probably maybe a month. Maybe maybe it feels longer than it is. Breaks. Oh <laughs> but feel free to share it. Yeah. yeah. People are. I'm happy to have people yeah. contact me there. Yeah, or, and I wanna. I think that people can go onto like Pete's place and donate if they wanted to. Please, and stuff like please that. do. Yeah, you can stop by. There, you can go online. They do have online donation available. I feel like you guys need a lot of like like people there to help. Yeah, you know that's that's huge right now, especially during the summer. Um, a lot of faith groups and other people, as I mentioned, help out with the meals in the evening during the the fall through the up to spring. Um, but they're so used to it not being open that um, the staff there is having to fill in a lot of gaps. So um, just talk to them. I just would encourage people to talk to them first. Give them a call. Hey, can we provide a meal? Maybe you can't stay and serve it. Or do you need help mm-hmm. serving the meal? Uh, I would I would love to have that happen even with the, you know, I have some really faithful people that help me there to serve the meals when we go there. And we have a huge faithful group of, of women, mostly, you know, from Advent Life who prepare the meals for them and, and they so appreciate it. So, but yeah, if you want to get involved, step into it. That's all you got to do is just step forward and ask the questions. Awesome. Yeah. Raise your hand. I'll list them. I know it's just about like being available. Yeah. Just being there. Yeah. Everybody can do something, man. Everybody can do something. That's so powerful. Yeah, um, yeah so I'm feeling pretty complete. Did you want to share anything? I I'm good. I feel like Han. I probably spoke too much already. Oh, you! I did. I wrote my quote from yeah, Thich Nhat Hanh. I was Han. like, I want that to be used. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is Thich Nhat Hanh, who I love. I've been reading a bunch of his books and sometimes just quotes, but this is about nonviolence. And he says, nonviolence is not a principle. It is a flower that blooms on the ground of understanding and love. It is something to cultivate. The essence of nonviolence is love. Out of love and the willingness to act selflessly, strategies, tactics, and techniques for a nonviolent struggle arise naturally. Mm. Nonviolence is not a dogma. It is a process. Wow. I love that. That is so powerful. It's a practice. It is. And it's just like when you practice something, you get better yeah, and better. Yeah, you do. It just becomes your life pouring into the world. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks. I'll definitely make a clip of it. It's like <laughs> a little cute little clip. Cool. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Well, for thanks for giving me some space. I appreciate it. I love you so much. I love you too.